welcome, welcome. Wow, we continue to do this week after week. My name is KJ. And I'm Bill. And welcome to A&B Sports Media, the podcast. We have a fun one for you guys today. We do. And I'm excited to not shut up for most of this episode. Heck yeah. Um, so, I had an idea of where I wanted to start with this episode, but I just learned something. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a video. I'll actually um, I'll retweet it. Um, through both my account and both uh, A and B sports media accounts. It's um, personal. It really is. So this this bar I actually plays softball for this team. It's called Brewers Town Tavern. Um, play softball for them. Cheaters. It's, al- <laughs> it's always fun um, going there, too. And there's a video of Nick Sirianni taking shots at this bar. And I'm, I'm actually – that's so cool. I, li- I was watching the video with Bill, like, literally, like, a minute before we started this podcast, and I'm looking in the background, I'm like, is is that Brewers? And, yeah, yeah, it was. So, that is that bar. Um, I, I, I'll look more into the video later, see if I know anybody, because I, 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 I see one one of the bartenders we know, is, he's, he's a really cool dude, right next to him. What is he taking That's, shots of, is the question. He's taking shots of Jaeger. I'm done this stream, I'm over. <laughs> so, ah, Nick, you could have picked. Anything else besides Jaeger? Why did you have to pick Jaeger? Because he's a Jaeger man. He's from Philly. That I am too, but I still hate Jaeger. You're also a grandfather. That that's fine. That's <laughs> it's Jaeger tastes like licorice. Old people food. Yeah, well, man up. No. Take it. No. Um. So I just wanted to bring that up because that was a really cool tidbit. Um. Nick Sirianni, if you ever listen to this, come back to Brewers, and it looked like he had a fun time. So I hope one day he gets back there again. I wonder why he was there. That's that is a weird like a uh, weird spot uh, to go to. Um, but I mean, if he's from around here, you probably know someone. Might as well. Yeah. Um, I wanted to start off with originally what I wanted to start off with uh, the MLB. Um, there's a few things I want to get into, but we'll start with some of the, the new news uh, these past few days. Uh, Gavin Lux, who's a, a second baseman for the Dodgers, pretty good uh, player. He, unfortunately, is out with an ACL tear. We'll, we'll probably miss the season. Um, that's a shame. Definitely a, a good, solid young guy that uh, the Dodgers were looking to uh, help propel them um, and tears his ACL in spring training. So it's unfortunate you put all your, your work, your hard uh, hard work and effort into it. And one misstep, especially with ACL tears, they're just freak accidents. So I ho- I'm hoping him a speedy recovery. Hope he can, you know, come back next year just – and just put the league on a tear, but he will be out probably for this season. Um, Manny Machado, who is actually looking to move on to free agency for a little bit, see if he can get a solid deal, actually decided to sign uh, again with the Padres, San Diego Padres, 11-year deal, $350 million, So Yeah, I would take that any day. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they're, they're looking like a solid uh, young squad. They got Manny Machado, Fernando Tatis. Juan Soto, they're looking like a powerhouse, and I'm, I'm excited to see them in the, the playoffs again. Yeah, it'll be good to play. Um, outside of outside of that, majority of the stuff going on is going through spring training. Philly is looking pretty good. They face Boston today. Um, pretty much just, just getting some of the young people that normally aren't going to get a shot. Um, see what they got. See if they can become a reserve and maybe even you know earn a spot uh, through injury and stuff like that. Um, but one of the biggest talking points, which has annoyed the living hell out of me, especially watching baseball and being a baseball player, is uh, the pitch clock. 
Mm. There has been so many violations of the pitch clock that it's just like either you, you have to adjust it. Yeah, make it maybe make it a little bit longer, make it a little bit shorter. Well, yeah, that's what I was probably thinking. longer. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Is that like so the the whole thing is you have 15 seconds to uh, pretty much as a pitcher to pitch the ball, get the signal, yeah. start your motion of throwing the pitch. Uh, with no no one on on base. And it's 20, right? And 20 if someone is on. I think they need to push that back. I think it needs to be 20. I was going to say 20, 25, yeah. Um, because, so, and as a batter, you have to be in the box and looking at the pitcher when that clock hits eight seconds. There has been so many times already where it, in the er, in the beginning of the game, doesn't necessarily affect it, but there's already been game multiple games decided by this pitch clock. And yep. I, I think that is not a good look for the it didn't it end in Boston recently where the pitch clock ended and like bases loaded bottom yeah. of the ninth and it was that's it. Yeah. Right. That's it. And yeah. I think I my amendment I would put for this pitch clock because they're trying to get a lot of the casual fans back into it because they have significantly decreased the amount of time these games take. Which is from good. Like the average like three hours last year to like two and a half. That's huge. Um but e- at, what you're doing with this pitch clock violation is you're you're catering the casual fans that don't necessarily like understand the sport or like want to sit and actually watch the full game. Which, granted, it is baseball. It, it, it's it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Yeah. Um, and you're pissing off your core fan base who is seeing things like this in the game and are getting really annoyed that like their game is getting screwed over because someone who doesn't want to sit and watch the game wants it to be shorter when you're there all the time watching <laughs> this game. So. My my amendment for this is after the seventh inning, get rid of it. I think that it, it shortens the game significantly, and after the seventh inning, you're not going to get affected by this at all. If if you are going to do a pitch clock, make it 30 or 40 seconds. Like after yeah. Because then you're not going to have games that are determined by a pitch clock. Like that, That's not fun. Yeah, the first game that is actually affected, because right now we're in preseason. Yeah. It doesn't affect anybody's record. It's not going to hurt anyone right now. Yeah. But when it does that's when the outcry is really going to happen and they were going to have to make a change during like the actual season which who knows if they'll do that which will can lead to a problem down the line so fix it now before it's too late exactly you still have a whole month of of preseason to get through so like you make amendments play with it uh, tweak it out see like what works and i think that that seventh inning it will really help because someone actually pointed this out too when uh, the Phillies were on their run, and I think it was against San, Di- San Diego, but it was like game on the line, man on, I think Rizmuto was on first, and Harper came up to bat. Um, it was one of those those amazing home runs where, like, the whole crowd screaming, Harper's getting his whole thing into it, the pitcher's getting into it. Like, that doesn't happen if there's a pitch clock. Like, that that moment doesn't have that same gravitas if they're rushing to, to get into the box and the pitcher's rushing to get on the mound and get, get the pitch clock. I get it. I get you want to make games shorter, which I completely understand even as someone who fully understands baseball. I get that, but when you're doing this and it'll be detrimental down the line, that can't happen. So that's something that uh, came up. I know that <laughs> the Cubs and the Diamondbacks actually had a game start where the count was 1-1 because both the pitcher and the batter didn't get set on time. Mm-hmm. And that that's more of a, a little funny um, part of like the whole pitch clock uh, violation, but I think that that definitely needs to be uh, changed. That it does. Um, 
that's pretty much what's going on uh, in the MLB, at least when it comes to some noteworthy news and controversy, because we are in spring training. Not a lot of people are getting like looks, at least yet, um, especially in the beginning. Most of the teams decide they're just going to have uh, like the returners, like the veterans, kind of wait a little bit. And if they do get their, their hits, they're going to be in for part of the game. So right now it's just kind of baseball people getting baseball reps. But I'm excited because uh, March 10th is when um, – World Baseball Classic starts. So that'll be fun. And they don't have any of the uh, the new rules. Oh, okay, so good. So that's just going to be straight baseball. Good. Um, and that's it for uh, the MLB. Um, I'm excited for the USFL to be starting in April. We have the Philadelphia Stars coming up. Yeah, that they will start. With the blob. <laughs> Saturday, April 15th, they go up against Memphis. And then the Jersey Generals uh, go up against Birmingham Stallions. So just to note something that was brought up to us yesterday or today, um, turns out actually they don't play just in Birmingham, Alabama. They, no, they also don't. play in Memphis, Tennessee. Yep. And where else in Ohio? Uh, so they play in Memphis, Tennessee, uh, Memphis, Yeehaw. Tennessee, uh, Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, they play in Canton, Ohio, and they also play in Detroit. All right. No. Cool. So those are the, the four stadiums that the, the whole league is going to be using. Uh, the NXFL is actually underway as well. Um, they actually had a few pretty good games. I know that um, they're kind of like the test dummies for the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, they, I thought that was the USFL. No, the XFL. Is it the XFL? Yeah, okay. or they, they might be both. But, mm-hmm. I mean, right now what, what the XFL is doing, and which, which the Eagles actually have proposed, is mm-hmm. um, instead of doing an onside kick, um, you have 4th and 15 at your own 20, and you have to convert it to move on. And there was a thing where they converted it, and, and they actually ended up winning the game. They had, ah. It was like a it was a, a 8 or 9-point deficit, and um, they went down, they scored. Did they um, go for 9? They, they, they went for uh, 2. Ah. And then they did the 4th and 15, got it, and then actually got ahead by like 3 ah, points. Oh, okay, that's so pretty cool. It, it made the game really cool to watch. So there's there's some cool things going on there. Um, they've had a few games going on. Um, right now, the D.C. Defenders are 2-0, same as the St. Louis Battlehawks um, and the Houston Renegades. So it's a it's a, a full roster of eight teams. Um, only two games pretty much been played. Uh, so we got those week for week, and that'll be fun. To, to Hear me play. out on an idea. Yes. You get the XFL and you get the USFL. Ooh, like yeah. playoff-wise? Playoff-wise. So. Yeah. Have have them do their respectful playoffs and have their champion. Yeah. Then you take the XFL versus the USFL. Whoever wins that gets bumped up into the NFL, while whoever loses goes down into the other ranks of the USFL or XFL. That would be, that, that would take a straight uh, Premier League shit from soccer. Yeah, but say that would take a note off of soccer, and I kind of I kind of like that, although. It goes against the grain of normal, and I'm stubborn. Oh, yeah. So but that, that would never Can happen. you imagine, let's just use the Texans because they didn't do that well this year. They get knocked out by the Jersey Generals of all yeah. teams. Why not? And General Jersey comes in and takes over for Houston, <laughs> Texans. So then Philadelphia area and New Jersey area has like seven teams around I'm them about now. To say, yeah, Philadelphia would have two football teams. So that'd exactly. That would be fun. But it would be some, that would be something interesting. Definitely not something that would happen, especially oh, because of all the money invested into the NFL with the stadiums and everything. But yeah. imagine that, though, if we you were able from the XFL or USFL to get promoted into the NFL that way. Yeah, that would be really cool. 
I, I, but and it would stop people from uh, from tanking too. Yeah. So, but hell, if you really want to get interesting, throw the CFL in there. Throw in the Canadian Football League. The draft would get really weird. Though. It would get very weird. Um, I know that AJ McCarron actually he used to be a backup. Uh, he actually <laughs> used to play for the Bengals uh, too. He uh, he took um, less money to be a starter in the XFL um, instead of like being a backup in the NFL, just so that like. He could have those memories with the boys and also have uh, when his kids, like, you know, when he, yeah. he t- talks stories about his kids, like, he's not just backup. He's yeah. playing in the XFL doing all these things. So Makes sense. I dig it. So we got some cool things coming up down the line. Of course, mm-hmm. those are a few weeks away, but that's that's pretty much what's happening in uh, in, in sports regarding, like, MLB and XFL, USFL stuff right. like that. Uh, anything else from you? Uh, no. Okay. I'm just doing one. Here's one last thing just to bring up before I forget. We're going to get into, let's see, hockey real quick. Flyers suck. Got it. All right, moving on. on. Uh, hold on. Let, I genuinely have not been able to watch a lick of hockey. Same. And I love the sport. But Same. Because the Flyers suck so bad. They're on a three-loss uh, three streak right now. Currently 23-28, and 28, second to last in the division. Thankfully, the Blue Jackets gave us a nice buffer, being nineteen and thirty-five. Thank you, Blue Jackets. Thank you, Blue Jackets. We're trash. I hate to say it, we are trash right now. Sucks to be us. Yeah. I love the Flyers. I want to get season tickets again. Not this year, even though probably I will do it next year because they're going to be cheaper. But I, it's just terrible. It's it's really bad. And also hearing the GM go, "Us healthy can we're not going to make any trades no. during the trade deadline." Because us healthy can compete with the elite teams. No, like, we can't. You are one of the most delusional GMs I've ever heard. Yeah, no, our, our, we need some reorganization of the upper level. Yeah, th- uh, thankfully, at least in Philly, we have uh, the Sixers right now. But they're they're top three. They're they're ready to break our hearts in the in the playoffs. They probably I, will. It, thirty nine. They're currently thirty nine and twenty one. I think the top six go into the Eastern Conference Finals yeah. or playoffs. Yeah. So we're holding out for the Sixers for right now. Although we we just can't beat Boston. It doesn't make sense. No. That's our rivals. That eh, it is what it is. Anyway, today's events in sports history. We got a couple actually. Going back to baseball too. 1903, Ooh. Barney Dreyfus uh, and James Potter buy the Philadelphia Phillies for one hundred and seventy thousand dollars. You say James Potter? James Potter, yes. So that happened. So that's when the Phillies were existing. That is some pretty cool stuff. I'm happy that the Phillies were in there. Uh, I had, oh, the first televised, in 1940, first televised basketball game. University of Pittsburgh beats Fordham U, 50-37. to Definitely, you could say, as time went on, the scores got a lot higher. All right. Then there was, oh, yeah, an Olympic gold in 1960s. The home uh, team, the United States, wins its first Olympic ice hockey gold medal at Squaw Valley with a 9-4 win over Czechoslovakia. And then I think that's really all I had. I'm just double-checking. It was all sports. Yep, nope, that was it. That was our events in sports history. Unfortunately, nothing else that was coming up was really about, uh, what's it called, anything special. There were just certain events that happened. All right. So we actually have, for the first time this weekend, race weekend with Formula One. I have been excited to talk about Formula One this entire time. 
Formula One is one of those uh, things that definitely got picked up with uh, Netflix's Drive to Survive series. It's a very fun show. Don't get me wrong. I love the show of the drama behind it. It got me watching Formula One. It got me into the racing. Um, it got me watching NASCAR, everything along those lines. Right now, I'm only going to focus on the basics of Formula One because Formula One is a lot to talk about in general because it gets very technical about the cars, engines, specs, money, politics. It's a lot. Yeah. Um, but overall, let me just explain what's going on with Formula One. There are 10 teams with two drivers on each team. Um, so there's going to be 20 cars in total on the track. You have uh, multiple different companies, some that you've probably heard of, some that you haven't. Um, just to run through them real quickly. I'm not going to go through all the names of the drivers right this second, but I will shortly. You have Mercedes. You have Alpine. You have the Haas F1 team, McLaren, Red Bull Racing, Aston Martin, AlphaTauri, Ferrari, Alfa Romeo, and Williams. So all of these are um, the main organizations or racing uh, companies. They are going for something known as the Constructors' Cup. That is all the points earned from these races for the team to win. Mm -hmm. This isn't the driver's championship. That's individualistic points. Mm -hmm. So just to note some things, too. Some of these teams are actually co-teams of other ones. So the big one to note is AlphaTauri and Red Bull. AlphaTauri is basically their development team where they are the B league, basically, of the drivers. They're your mid-tier racers. You don't really expect them to win. They can. But these are the people that are going to slowly promote themselves up into actual Red Bull Racing's car. Mm -hmm. um, just a note with Red Bull Racing, just focusing on them real quick. They were the winners of last year's Constructor and Drivers' Championship, which includes the number one racer currently at this time, Max Verstappen. Incredible racer, guy has a need for speed, will do anything to win, including screwing over his own teammate, Sergio Perez, who personally is one of my favorite racers because Sergio Perez has done incredible things behind the wheel. Literally coming from last to first, getting um, caught, making Max Verstappen win by letting him draft amongst him in other races. Overall, fantastic driver. Red Bull Racing is probably going to be the one to look out for to keep the streak alive, because usually when you hit a hot streak in Formula One, you keep running the dynasty. Uh, the next one that's really big and also has a really huge name, Mercedes, you have Lewis Hamilton. Won many years in a row. Fantastic driver. Gets a lot of shit from everybody just because he's very good at what he does and made racing kind of boring because he was always ahead. Now, last year he didn't do so hot. He was around, but he wasn't like the biggest racer. Max kind of just took the lead and won it through. I'm hoping this year Mercedes comes out with a better car and it works out. You also have George Russell on that team. George Russell, newer racer. He started last year. He did pretty well. I expect more from him this year. A couple finishes, maybe a podium um, in the top three, anything like that. We'll see how that goes. One of the ones that I'm actually sad about that left Formula One. It, well, not left. He's not racing anymore as a main driver. He is now a reserve on Red Bull Racing, and that is Daniel Ricciardo. Daniel Ricciardo is the lovely Australian driver that you've probably seen on Netflix's Drive to Survive. Very happy, very good lucky. He had a very rough season this year. I think it kind of took a toll on him, so he decided to do a reserve position 
back with Red Bull. And if you didn't know this beforehand, he was with another one called Renault. Then he went to Red Bull, had a hell of a career, left Red Bull to go to McLaren, won one race two years ago. This year, not so hot, or last year, not so hot. And then that was it. Sadly, that is what it is. Speaking of McLaren, McLaren is always one of those companies where I believe they can do better than they expect. They just need to work at it. Number one is Lando Norris. Lando Norris last year actually had the chance to win first, but unfortunately he made a rookie mistake of not listening to his pit when he it was wet weather. You were there with me watching it. He was going to win, and I was hyped, probably because I had money on the line. <laughs> and he, of course, spun out because of the wet weather. Um, only other big notable team that I want to focus on, Ferrari. You have Charles Leclerc and Carlos, Carlos Sainz. Both very good drivers. Ferrari had a lot of trouble uh, last year with the management. Everything seemed like it was going wrong when the cars were actually doing really well. Mm -hmm. So hopefully Ferrari can get their shit together, and this year will be good for them. Lastly, on my... I don't believe they'll win, ever. No offense to them. I want them to improve. Mm. The Haas F1 team. Haas is actually the only American team in Formula 1 even though it's owned by a German company, but it's Haas. So you have Kevin Magnussen on there and Nico Hulkenberg. Nico Hulkenberg's actually, this is the first ever um, race for him. This is going to be his first uh, career season, so good for him. Haas has struggled. I want them to do better. I know they can do better. They've gotten top 10 a couple times, and that's how you get into the points. That's what matters. Also, Haas has probably the best manager, and his name is Gutensteiner. Gutensteiner is hysterical, will curse you out, and he's just overall a funny dude. I hope that they do better. I hope they make it into the mid-tiers. So when it comes to points with Formula One, real quick, if you are in the top 10, you get points from 24, and it goes down all the way to one point at 10th place. So you always want to be in the points. If you're not, then you suck. Um Every race um, race weekend kind of goes as follows. Friday, um, nor most races are on Sundays. There's some on Saturday, but most will be on Sunday. But uh, three days before, two days before technically, third, fourth, fifth, all right, three days, you have your first practice, and you'll have practice runs for the first uh, day and the second day. But on the second day, you also have qualifying. Qualifying works pretty simple. You have everybody out on the track. You're all going as fast as you can. There's a cutoff time. Whatever you, uh, if you can't get into the top 15 for the first part of qualifying, you're kicked out. Then it's the top 10. Then you're kicked out. Then it's the top five. And who, whatever the last of the top five is has place. And if you get pole position, 90% of the time, that's a good thing. There is sometimes you actually want to be uh, P2, position two, because you want to take the inside corner and cut off who's ever in P1. So keep that in mind. So the first race that we actually have coming up is the Bahrain Grand Prix. That is on March 5th at 10 o'clock. Uh, let me just double check that is for our time because unfortunately when it comes to Formula One, it is around the world and it can be incredibly late or incredibly early depending when. And normally so, it's incredibly early. Normally incredibly early, like this one. So, like I was said, Bahrain uh, Grand Prix starts on uh, March 5th at 10 a.m. So, 
what I recommend if you're actually going to get into Formula One, watch the qualifying, watch the race. Don't expect a lot, though. Don't expect NASCAR, Indy 500, where you're going to be seeing a lot of action right away. Unfortunately, Formula One is a little bit slower paced. It's something actually really good to have in the background, not going to lie. The thing with Formula One, when it gets hot, when you see rate, like them going back and forth, it is probably the most magnificent shit that you could see because you're watching people going nearly 200 miles an hour through corners. It is the fastest sport. I know there's uh, NASCAR that goes incredibly fast too. I know that IndyCar also goes incredibly fast as well. But Formula One, when it comes down to raw specs, they are faster. Um, but overall, highly recommend watching this one. At least it's at 10 a.m. Go make yourself a Bloody Mary, a, um, a mimosa, whatever you need to get yourself uh, up and running for that first race. If you like it from there, keep an eye on it. Uh, like I said, the times really vary. Summer in the morning, there's actually a few that are like at 1 a.m. if you really want to watch it. Like It's the Japan Grand Prix. But overall, highly, I would say take your time and keep an eye on it. All right, moving back on. Now we're going into fighting because we have a lot to go over this weekend and I not, did not bring up last episode just because there was too much to go over. First and foremost, I'm actually going to go into boxing because there was a big fight uh, regarding Jake Paul and Tommy Fury. If you don't know who either of those are, good. Jake Paul is basically a YouTube sensation along with his brother Logan Paul. Got very famous uh, through YouTube, internet videos, all that lovely shit. Fun fact, most people forget that they got famous off of Vine. True, you're right. The good old days. I'll you were right, it is Vine. So, that happened. Tommy Fury is um, related to Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury is current heavyweight champion of the world in boxing. Very good fighter. Uh, but Tommy doesn't have that skill as much as him. But it is what it is. So during that fight, it actually was a full eight-round fight. And it went to decision. And surprisingly, Tommy Fury won. It was a decision. Um, it basically was split decision, two cards for 76 to 73, with one lone card going 75 to 74. I did get the chance to actually watch this fight. Tommy Fury put on basically a clinic of good striking, good distancing. Jake Paul, I think, had no idea what he was doing. He was trying to throw too many power punches to the point where it wasn't really working out for him. So that happened. So just to note, one other uh, fighter on this uh, card, because when it comes to boxing, it's not like UFC where there's like 15 fights going on at once. Boxing usually only has a main, like a main, one main card where it's like two fighters and then there's like an undercard, like a three or four. Boxing doesn't go as heavy, usually, unless it's like a big, big fight. Yeah. This wasn't one of those. But I wanted to bring up Badu Jack versus Alunga Jr. Makabu. Got a 12th round knockout, and I got to see it, and it was pretty. Beat, basically beat the ever-living crap out of him and then threw like a nice overhand, and basically the ref came in and was like, all right, that's it, we're done here. So overall, happy for Tommy Fury for winning that fight. What will Jake Paul do now? He's still signed with the PFL. I don't know what he's going to do with that yet. PFL, the uh, Professional Fighter League, does not really start until April. When that picks up, I'm waiting for one fighter named Shane Burgos to start up because I'll be watching him like a hawk. 
Moving on from there, I'm going to go over quickly um, last week's UFC Fight Night, uh, Nikita Kriol versus Ryan Spann. I shouldn't even be saying their names because they actually didn't fight. So what happened was when it came to weigh-ins, Nikita um, Krylov, everything seemed fine until after the actual weigh-ins. Once that happened, um, he fell ill. They didn't really disclose what it was. I'm assuming it's something with the weight cut. Probably got really sick. Probably got, like, too fucked up from it. So they had to cancel the bout right then and there on the fight night. So that sucks for Ryan Spann. The good news is they actually did rebook it for March 11th. So they only have about two weeks from now to actually get back into it, but it will only be a three-round fight. It will not be a five-round fight as intended. Hmm. But it helps them out with get, keeping their camp going. It's not too much of craziness to change up. Ryan Spann's happy with that. He was very disappointed in general about not fighting, wasn't yeah. mad at Nikita. He even reached out to make sure he was okay. So... It is what it is. So basically, the pre uh, the main event turned into Andre Munez versus Brendan Allen. Honestly, for a 25 minute fight or nearly 25 minute fight, it wasn't that special. You had um, Andre Munez get submitted by Brendan Allen at four minutes and 25 seconds. Um, actually, though, I did want to bring up somebody on the prelims because two people on the prelims because one made a good comeback after a sad loss against Patty Pimblett. Jordan uh, Leviatt beat Victor Martinez first round via knockout, two minutes and 27 seconds in. That's good for Jordan to help him come back from losing to Patty and basically getting his name back into recognition. The other one I wanted to bring up was Trevor Peak versus Eric Gonzalez. Also received performance in a night for this. This motherfucker came out swinging, and Eric decided to become a magnet. And everything that Trevor threw at him, Eric's face absorbed. To the point where he was getting hit so hard, he was kind of knocked out on his feet. But he also tired out Trevor Peaks so much, he wasn't even throwing clean shots anymore. He was throwing hammer fists while standing, like pure primal, until one of them dropped Eric to the ground. Congratulations, Trevor Peak. I hope we see more of you soon in the UFC. That was a good fight. Definitely work on your cardio, and you will definitely move far further up in the lightweight division. Hell, honest to God, I can even see Trevor Peak fighting Patty if they really need somebody, which I'll get back to Patty in a little bit because he's already, I think, has some doubts about his next fight. Moving on from that, we actually had Bellator over the weekend as well. Um... Real quick with Bellator, there was the welterweight world championship with Yarzalov Azimov versus Logan Storley. He won via decision. Honestly, not too much to talk about on this card. There was a few knockouts here or there. Bryce Logan knocked out um, Peter Qualley. But otherwise, when it came to Bellator, nothing really much going on. I don't think there's any events coming up anytime soon. Yep, not until next week on Friday, March 10th, but I'll go over it when we get closer. Yeah. Next up, we have one fight championship. That one was actually really good. I got the chance to watch the highlights. I didn't get the chance to watch it live yet, but I will get back to it. I just want to bring up the main event, the Bantamweight World Championship in mixed martial arts. We had Fabricio Andre versus John Linker. 
Uh, Fabricio Andre won via knockout, which is great. But John Linker, the number two ranked bantamweight, my God, he is five foot two. Mm-hmm. Five two. Wow. He is a tiny dude, but he is built though. He is a goddamn dwarf. Not like, you know, I'm talking Lord of the Rings, like Gilmy dwarf, Gilmy. ready to fight. Yeah, Gilmy taking down. The yes. Elephant. Yes, and although he got knocked down a couple times, he actually held his own. He was throwing big ass fists. They actually had. When the fight was over, they had to go to the hospital. They were both in the room next to each other, smiling, taking photos. <laughs> so good for them. Beyond that, under the Muay Thai World Championship, you had Tawan uh, Chai, PK, Senchai versus Jamal Yusubov. PK definitely uh, won by knockout, so good for him. Other fights went on, but nothing crazy regarding knockouts, but glad to see that one fight is uh, one fight. One championship is still going. They'll definitely be doing another Friday Night Fights, and they have another event coming up in March, which I will get back into later. Beyond that, we're going to jump right into the last part, which is this weekend. Um, We have UFC 285, Saturday, March 4th at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You have Cyril Gaon versus John Joe. And this card is stacked, actually. I was very surprised reading through this card from early prelims on. I actually have a few ideas on bets. Some are good, some are bad. But we have to see how it goes. So I'm going to actually start in the early prelims because there's actually a fighter that I want to bring up. His name is Ian Gary. Ian Gary is an incredible fighter. He is currently 10-0. Five wins by knockout, one win by submission. Three first-round finishes. He is from Ireland. He is currently, I love his nickname, now it makes sense. It is the future for Ireland MMA. I think Ian Gary, they're trying to build him up more and more to become this amazing fighter. He will be in the welterweight division. He will be facing Song Kenan. Uh, currently, he is 18-6. and six. He's coming off a loss, and... Currently, the odds for that is minus 675 for Ian Gary, plus 500 for Song. So we'll see how that goes. I have an idea with a lot of these bets going on, but we'll see how it goes. But that's on the early prelims. Highly recommend if you get the chance to watch that fight, take your uh, take the chance to do it because it should be a good one. Moving on up into the prelims, I'm actually going to talk about the main two that I want to go through. The middleweight bout and a, a bantamweight bout. The middleweight one's actually pretty huge. You have on the prelims Derek Brunson and Driscus Duplice. So Derek Brunson and Driscus Duplice are in the middleweight division. They are in the same division as Israel Adesanya and Alex Pereira. Um, Derek Brunson is ranked number five. Driscus is ranked number ten. Um, when it comes to these two specifically, Driscus is currently on the rise right now. He just came off a win against Darren Till. Absolutely clobbered him for about like three rounds. It was impressive. Driscus Duplice is currently 18 and 2, six fight win streak, seven wins by knockout, 10 of them uh, by submission. This will probably be his toughest challenge yet because Derek Brunson is a gatekeeper of the top five. Derek Brunson is 23 and 8. 
Um, 12 wins by knockout, four by submission, seven first round finishes. He is a grappler. He um, doesn't have a great takedown accuracy, though, because he's uh, 33%, but he's attempted 121 takedowns. So he's going to be a wrestler. Now, how will Duplice do against this? I don't know. He got taken down by Darren Till, which isn't that good. But we'll see what happens. This will definitely be a good uh, mark on Duplice's record, though. If he does get the win, I can see a knockout happening. Current odds, though, which I'm actually kind of shocked by, I guess because of the previous wins, minus 225 for Duplice. Derek Brunson is plus 190. Honestly, I would probably take the Derek Brunson, even though the knockout power from Duplice is stronger. The wrestling from Derek is bad. So we'll see how that goes. Next one, the Bantamweight bout. Cody Garbrandt versus Trevin Trevin Jones. So, I don't know why they made Cody Garbrandt the favorite here. Cody Garbrandt is currently on, if I remember correctly, a five-loss losing streak. Uh, Let's see. Let me make sure. One, two, maybe just two. Okay, two-fight losing streak. Good for him. But he has fallen from grace. Cody Garbrandt is a former champion that basically has lost every big fight after that. Lost to Dillashaw, lost to Munoz, won against Asunakano, lost to Robert Front, and then Kai Car France also knocked him the hell out too. Personally, I don't think Cody should be winning this fight. He doesn't have a chin like he used to. He's very easy to knock out. I think Trevin Jones will take him by knockout. So, at plus 145 for regular odds, definitely consider him for knockout for a, like a knockout parlay. Going on to the main card that we have. This one's actually pretty good all the way up to the beginning, uh, all the way up to the end. First and foremost, you have a middleweight bout of Bo Nicole versus Jamie Pickett. Overall, going to be a very good fight. Bo Nicole is on a tear right now. This is still un, uh, unranked fighters, but should overall be a good fight. Bo, I think, just came off a... Technically, he has no athlete record because he just came off the... What is it? Series. Uh, the Contender Series from Dana White. The Dana White Contender Series. So, currently, he's only 3-0. and But, one win by knockout, two wins by submission. All three were first-round finishes. So, he's going to be coming in hot. You do have uh, him, though, facing Jamie Pickett, who is currently 13-8, nine wins by knockout, five first-round finishes. He is currently coming off a really rough three-fight losing streak, so you can see why they throw bone at him so they can get him to win. Um, especially if you're losing to Kyle Dawkins, I don't want to see you really keep going. I'm not a fan of the Dawkins brothers, even though they are from Philly. They definitely need to get their shit together. But Jamie Pickett, we'll see how that goes. Hopefully, we'll see what happens there. I have a feeling that Bo, Bo is going to take care of that really quickly. Just looking at odds on... Ah, they don't even have them on the odds. Weird. Up oh, there it is. Oh, here's the odds. Minus 1,667 for Bo, plus 950 for Jamie Pickett. Oh, my God. Yeah, nobody has faith. So, that ain't going to be well. Okay, moving on. Lightweight bouts. You got your rank number seven. 
Matuz Garmot versus Jalen Turner. So, number seven, Matuz Garmot versus Jalen Turner. This should be a good one. Garmot's actually, I think he's on a loss streak, but it's against Benelli Darnush, who's going to probably be fighting for the championship soon. He's currently 21-2, and two, seven wins by knockout, five by submission, three first-round finishes. Definitely a wrestler, does like lots of takedown. Um, a lot of takedowns, a lot of grappling. Uh, is pretty strong, though. Overall, I have some good faith in him. He's, like I said, on a two-fight, uh, what's it called? Oh, no, he's on a one-fight losing streak, but he came off two wins before then, and they were all very high-value fights, so nothing against him. Jalen Turner is ranked number 10 in the lightweight division, five-fight five fight win streak, uh, nine wins by knockout, four wins by submission, currently 13-5. and five. He is currently on a three, oops, as I already said, five-fight win streak. Um, good with the striking. I'm going to call PS on the takedown accuracy because it's only five attempts, so 80%. So, hey, that's pretty good, though, for takedowns. Overall, I actually think this one may go to submission. If it's going to be any money, I would take Jalen Turner by submission. So, we'll see what happens with that. But otherwise, I could see a knockout happening. Most likely a decision, though. All right, moving on to the next one. This one's going to be a good one because I actually want to see this guy keep climbing. You have Jeff Neal versus Shavkat Rakamov. Um, just going through this real quick, Shavkat is currently on the rise. He is 16-0, and 0, eight wins by knockout, um, eight wins by submission, uh, nine first-round finishes, and again, 16-0. and 0. Um Great takedowns, great striking. Overall, a fantastic striker and fighter. I have a lot of faith in him. Um, he's beaten Neil Magny uh, to get into the rankings. It's overall going to be good for him. Honestly, I want to see him fight Kamzat Chemaev when the time arises. But doesn't mean Jeff Neal isn't anyone to be scared, uh, anyone to be a slouch. He's currently 15-4, nine wins by knockout, two by submission, six first-round finishes. Got, as he put, hands of steel. Currently seventh-ranked, so we're going to see how that goes. Good amount of striking accuracy. Not so great on the takedowns. Definitely likes to aim for the head. But he just did knock out Vincent Luck, which was, or Vincent Luque. And that was incredible to watch. A lot of uppercuts there. Good striking overall. People didn't really believe in Neil then, but I would believe in him then as well, and so did my paycheck. But <laughs> overall, very happy with that. Um, but we'll see. That's going to probably be one of the sleeper fights that nobody's really like ready for unless you're like big into UFC. Definitely recommend watching this one. This will be a good fight. Now, you have the women's flyweight title bout, and that is the co-main for this one. And that is Valentina Shevchenko versus Alexa Grasso. Now, when it comes to women's MMA, it's not usually... It's more lenient when it comes to who's going to be fighting for the champion because they're a little bit thinner on the number of fighters. Yeah. So, in this case, it's actually the ranked six versus the champion. Um, current odds with that, too, are minus 610 for Valentina and plus, what is it, 310 for... Alexa, plus 460 for Alexa. So, very tough call there. Uh, Valentina is currently off another win. 
She is currently has seven title defenses. She is 23 and three, nine for uh, nine fight win streak, eight wins by knockout. She is overall probably the most well-rounded fighter at the flyweight division. I honestly expect her to win. Um, but can't say no to Grasso. Got to give her a chance. She is currently 15 and three. Four fight win streak, four wins by knockout, five first round finishes. Uh, unfortunately, though, her, you know, quality of fighters is a little bit lower than what would be against Valentina. I don't, I see Valentina winning by a TKO of some sorts. But we'll see what happens. Yeah. I've been wrong many a times before. Lastly, and finally, we have. The heavyweight title bout, Cyril Gaon versus John Jones. Cyril Gaon is the only one ranked in this fight, and that is ranked number one. This is for the heavyweight title bout, or heavyweight title, that was vacated by Francis Ngannou, who has retired from the UFC, to do bigger and better things. So instead, we have John Jones. John Jones has not fought in God knows how long. It has been since 2020. Since he has fought, it has been actually over three years at this point. Because wow. his last fight was February 8th, if I remember, if I'm reading that right. Yep, February 8th of 2020. He is currently 26-1, 10 wins by knockout, 6 wins by submission. He is an incredible fighter. He is the greatest of all time, could be considered the GOAT, a lot of things when it comes to mixed martial arts. However, he took three years off. He has a lot of ring rust. I'm telling you that now. No matter how much sparring you put in, fighting somebody, especially going up a weight class now, it's going to be tough. Is it doable for the GOAT? Probably. But the person he's fighting is no slouch. He is fighting Cyril Gaon. Cyril Gaon is currently the number one ranked heavyweight fighter in the UFC, currently 11-1. Five wins by knockout, three by submission, three first-round finishes. Um, Cyril Gaon is a point fighter to the max. You've, he will stay back. He will throw punches. He will throw kicks. He's not going to go for the knockout right away unless he knows he can. He recently just knocked uh, knocked out Tai Tuivasa, who I adore greatly, and also has knocked out um, Derek Lewis. His only loss is against Francis Ngannou. Now, John Jones is definitely a better wrestler, so we'll see how that goes against Cyril. Overall, I actually see this one going to decision, and if it is, I would put it on John Jones via decision, um, just because of the way it's going to go. Um, Odds-wise, real quick, it's minus 155 for John Jones, plus 135 for Cyril Gaon. For the money line, I would take Cyril Gaon, just because it's... Definitely a man that's been fighting more more than recently. Um, just recently fought in France against Tai Tuivasa. Overall, will not have ring rust compared to John Jones. Three years outside of the ring is a long time. Yeah. And with John Jones, there's a lot of other things that we don't know. Will he get popped again for PEDs and other performance-hanting drugs? I just said PEDs and performance-hanting drugs. I said it twice. <laughs> and Or get in trouble with other crazy shit, too. Overall, I'm not a fan of John Jones as a person, but there is no doubt of his skill as a fighter. 
So I have belief that John Jones can win. Do I want him to win? No. Will he win? It's up there. But Cyril Gaon, definitely somebody not to take uh, lightly. He is someone that definitely can win. And I believe that he could. Um, bad bets wise, when it comes to this, I didn't, I'm actually just going to post them. My plan is for bad bets is one, do all the favorites because a lot of the fighters that are on this card are kind of in one sided fights. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to do a parlay. That's probably like a six or seven leg parlay. It probably won't pay out too much, but it'll have a long one. I also plan on doing the opposite with all the underdogs too, except for the song one, because I'm not wasting plus 500 on that. And then I think it was the, yeah, Alexa Grasso. I'm not going to do that one either. But I would recommend for everyone, if they want to take a good bet for money, take Trevin Jones via knockout for Cody Garbrandt because I don't believe Cody has a chin anymore. He break buckles very easily. He has been knocked out way too many times to count, and it's that's not healthy. But overall, that is the UFC at this time. Sweet. Yes. A lot of stuff. I'm, I'm actually excited to see what the house here bits are hitting. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Mm-hmm. So, we'll have to keep that updated. Yep. Um, there's a few things um, that I, I, did, I did miss when we were talking a little bit about um, uh, some earlier sports. So, I wanted to kind of get back on that. Um, one actually happened very recently. The Eagles have hired their new defensive coordinator. Ooh, did we? Yeah, Sean Desay from Seattle. Okay. Yeah, so, so far, no one really knows how, how to make of this. Everyone still has to kind of, like, watch some tape on, on his defensive schemes and that, but that's pretty cool. Um, they also hired uh, Brian Johnson for the offensive coordinator job, and everyone thinks a lot of people within the organization thinks that's actually an upgrade. Okay. And um, another cool tidbit is that Brian Johnson has known Jalen Hurts since he was four years old. That will be very helpful. Exactly. So um, I'm curious to see how both coordinators kind of come together and, and move on from that mm-hmm. and, and kind of make – I'm curious to see what the Eagles' identity defensive um, defensively next year. Offensively, I feel like it'll kind of be the same, maybe a little few improvements here and there, but I'm curious. Um and sticking on the Eagles' offense, though, uh, there have been—it's um, not necessarily confirmed—but there's been like rumors and, and rumblings that the Eagles are not going to sign Miles Sanders back. Really? Yeah. Um, and that they are—they actually really love Gamal as their primary back, um, and they might kind of look for something within the draft. But I really hope they don't stick with Gamal. I love him to death, but with the amount of talent at uh, running back in this draft, we should at least draft someone and maybe keep Scott. Um, I would hurts, like to keep Scott. It hurts to see because I love Sanders, but I know mm-hmm. he's going to be asking for a lot. Um, yeah. Unless, unless he comes back, like, listen, I, which he's consistently said, like, he loves Philly. He wants to stay in Philly. Yeah. He wants to sign in Philly. But it's it's a business. If he's asking for too much, he, he won't come back. Yeah, no, that makes sense. You got to do what you got to do to get the money, too. Exactly. Um, another cool tidbit, which I probably should have did in a cool moments of sports history, but... Uh, today, which would be February uh, 28th, four years today is when Bryce Harper signed with the Phillies. Ah, his, okay. His 13-year deal. So, so far, it's panned out so beautifully. Yeah, no, it's been worth every penny. 100%. And then um, the Bills the, uh, defensive coordinator, uh, Leslie Frazier, is actually going to leave their team for 2023. Uh, not necessarily 
that that's pretty much all we know of that. So hopefully more details to come. Um, yeah, I did kind of want want to, want to touch on um, a little bit of LCS that happened uh, over Thursday. Esports. Esports. Since we did have our, our big episode uh, last week, and I hope hope you guys enjoyed that and kind of understood the game a little bit more. Um, there was some cool tidbits that happened last week. Um, Bullshit. They, <laughs> well, the very first game, which was FlyQuest versus 100 Thieves. And remember, FlyQuest was undefeated uh, um, until last week. They lost, and then they were coming in. So people were, were curious how they would kind of perform, what they would look like. And the very first game uh, they faced was against FlyQuest, and they actually kind of weren't looking that good. I was a little surprised. Um, Bullshit. Hundred Thieves were, were putting up a really good fight. I know they were. Almost every single team fight they had, Hundred Thieves won. But then FlyQuest showed why they're one of the best teams. And in League, if you can kind of snowball lead into the late game or even take the lead from uh, the other teams early and then kind of like really capitalize on mistakes, it shows and you it, <laughs> oh, they, they just dominated the late game. And I lost my parlay. Immediately. We... Bill and I were watching this game. And we were like, "Wow, Bill, your parlay is going to hit immediately. This is this is looking good." And then, hundred thieves threw tremendously. Mm-hmm. Um, Golden Guardians is actually on a seven-game win streak. Good for them. That's crazy. Still lost. No, Golden, yeah, yeah, for you. Yes. <laughs> Golden Guardians, uh, seven-game win streak, which is which is nuts. They're, they're looking like one of the, the premium teams right now. Yeah. Um, so that's fun. And then our, our little our, our little little little. Little team, finally, finally get out of the the dirt. I didn't bet on him. I should have. Dignitas, who was, if you remember, the the uh, Owen Owen nine, Owen nine team yeah, going into this week, beat Evil Genius, who was second in the standings un- until this weekend, which is crazy to me because um, no team has ever ever started Owen ten in LCS, and no team has ever went um, fully defeated. Yeah. So. Well, that ain't happening now. Literally, if Dignitas lost that game, they would be the first team ever to reach 0-10. Really? To start a season at 0-10, yeah. Um, so, that was that was some pretty cool stuff from the, the LCS team. Unfortunately, Dignitas did not pull. Because they were going up against two heavyweights. Yeah. Which was Evil Genius and FlyQuest. They they pulled one out. They got it against Yeah, happy for them to win against uh, Evil Genius. But FlyQuest, nah, that wasn't happening. Yeah, Evil Genius actually put... Uh, put Two losses on this week. After Dignitas, they kind of fell the Golden Guardians, who were, are, are probably one of the hottest teams right yeah. now. FlyQuest still looking like the dominant team. Um, and C9 just quietly keeping up, sitting at 8-3. Uh, mm-hmm. and three, so. Hey, good for them. Yeah, so it was good for them. So it's it's fun to see what they're going to do uh, this week moving forward because we got FlyQuest against CLG. Uh, Dignitas versus Immortals, which is going to be either the greatest shit fest yeah. Or such a boring game. Probably boring. Um, and then, I mean, that Friday, too, we have FlyQuest versus Evil Genius, so that should be, like, two that should be good. going up against each other. So, um, that's what that's what we got in LCS. Uh, other than that, that's all we got for you. So, yeah. hey, hey, listen, um, again, if you have any questions, please reach out to us via email at BillAndAsianMedia at gmail.com or reach us at our Twitter handle, which is ABSportsMedia. Um, once again, my name is AJ. And I'm Bill. And thank you for listening to AMB Sports Media, the podcast. So thank you and see you guys next week. Take care.
If gambling has become a problem for you or for someone you know, please call 1-800-GAMBLER to seek free, confidential, 24-7 problem gambling assistance. You can also text SUPPORT to 53342 to get more information about problem gambling behavior.